Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. Uh, I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. We have a super exciting show for you tonight, and it's a, a bit of a, a bit of a chonker, if I say so myself. So, Brianna, you hooked us up with Alex Winter. Uh, you appear in his documentary, The YouTube Effect, and he's going to come on and talk to us about that documentary, uh, his own history with the whole internet, um, and it's going to be juicy. Do you have anything to say to tease people about that? I just, I'm trying to imagine if I could go back in time to Mississippi and like sing Lost Boys in the, <laughs> the theaters in the 80s or Bill and Ted. And like that summer that everybody was going, you know, Bill and Ted, like everybody, <laughs> excellent, you know, be excellent to each other and go, hey, you know what, Bree? Uh, in the, like in the year 2023, you're going to be in a uh, extremely successful documentary uh, with that guy, and you're going to be able to call him a friend, and you're going to work on public policy together. That's awesome. I think that would have been cool. I probably wouldn't tell myself why I'm doing a documentary <laughs> yeah. with him. I'd probably leave that for uh, out. Yeah, that <laughs> might depress you a little bit. You're like, okay, you're going to have to go through some stuff first, but yeah. it would be cool to know. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, like, Alex is one of my my favorite directors. Um, I've interviewed him a couple of times in the past for different stuff that he's done, and um, uh, the film is interesting and uh, is, is definitely, like, thought-provoking, and I think um, I'm, I'm really excited to, to chat with him about it. So definitely stay tuned definitely stay after tuned. that to hear our discussion on – Planet of the Base, the Song of the Summer, and the replacement of Miss Biljana Electronica. And then if you are a boosty, a subscriber who gets a bonus segment and an ad-free show every week, stay tuned for the post-show where we will be talking about the New York Times protest uh, against the judge trying to get SBF to stop talking to them. There, he He's out there leaking documents, making phone calls, and the New York Times is like, uh-huh, yeah, we're taking notes. And the, the court is like, please, we're begging you. The prosecution wants you to put down the phone, sir. So we'll be talking about Sam Bankman-Fried uh, and his uh, bail conditions and gag order in the post-show. It's going to be very fun. If you want to learn more about how to access these bonus segments, of course, you can go to relay.fm slash membership. And we appreciate everyone who's done that. Without further ado, let's get right into it. I am so pleased to welcome to the show today, Alex Winter. Alex is an actor and filmmaker whose work as an actor includes The Lost Boys and, of course, the Bill and Ted franchise. And as a filmmaker, documentaries, documentaries of all kinds about topics that we love to cover on this show, such as the Panama Papers, uh, Trust Machine, the story of blockchain. He's been covering political and tech-related stories uh, since making the film Downloaded in 2012 about Napster and the advent of digital media. And today, he's here to discuss his documentary, The YouTube Effect, about the history of YouTube and its rise as an oft-overlooked platform for disinformation. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's really good to be here and uh, and to be with uh, with Brianna and Christina as well as with you, Simone. So, thank you. You know everyone who's on this podcast except for me. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, welcome to me. I have kind of, before we get into it. I have kind of like a, a question about your background. So obviously, you come from this world of traditional media, films and television. And I feel like we don't often see a crossover between that world and the world of digital media, but clearly it's something that is super close to your heart. So can you talk a bit about how you got into like 
covering things like Napster mm. and YouTube and Bitcoin and blockchain um, and like what drew you to that world and what your ties to it are? Sure. I mean, the the shortest short version of it is, um, you know, I, I was a child actor and then I went to film school because I was making films at the same time. Uh, even when I was a kid, so I went to NYU film school and came out of film school, started doing music videos and commercials mm -hmm. as well as the movies that <clears throat> I'm known for, for acting in. And, uh, I've always had an interest in technology and I had been doing, um, uh, interested in sort of the early days of visual effects and, and what was going on with computers. Um, I got my first computer probably in 1983. Um, and by 85, um, I was online uh, pretty vigorously, 85, 86, 87. I mm -hmm. was, I got very deep into the uh, BBS Usenet community. Land. Oh, wow. And oh, that's sick. That's so cool. So that was. That's legit. Um, that's legit. Yeah, it was, it was uh, really revelatory for me. It, it, um, uh, it, it was a, a very robust community for people who weren't there. Um, and, and it really had the seeds of, of the net and the web that we have today, like it writ small, right? It was these small communities, but you had, you know, people around the world, often anonymous, often even with encrypted um, uh, users, uh, talking about everything from politics and being involved in these things, not just talking about them, but politics, you know, arts, philosophy, drugs, culture, uh, you name it. And, uh, and so that was the big, clearly the beginning of something. I was at a, in a mm. very right period of my life. I was in my twenties. I was fresh out of college. I was making culture and, and, and kind of the art scene in New York and LA. Uh, and there was, I, I'd never encountered anything like this. So I started to make inroads with a lot of people in that space. Some of whom went on to be, uh, who had either come from or, or went on to be big in the cypherpunk community. And then other people who went on to actually found companies because uh, um for those of us who are around at that time i mean i'm you know i know christina and i know you you people of all people know all this already yeah. but um <laughs> it is a pretty small community funnily enough there's only there's only so many players in it um who mm. who especially sort of anchored to like the real foundations of of the net that we know today yeah. so so that's what happened is I ended up making these inroads and being really bound to the community. And, and so I started telling stories around the growth of online community. And the whole reason I got so wrapped up in Napster when it happened in 99 and 2000 was because for me, it was so evidently the largest community that it ever showed up online by yeah. a mile. It was a hundred million people through one central server in during dial-up era. That's yeah. crazy. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah meeting friendships and meeting people through like browsing what files they're uploading and in the chats. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. It's really hard to describe to people now, even, even like when I show them my film download and they're like, Oh, that was the music stealing software. I'm like, uh, well, yeah, but, no, <laughs> but, but, but you know, it was more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much more than that. And you know, the, it was, the technology was really, it's a funny thing about the internet that in, in so many ways it's, it's moved forward. And in some ways it's gone backwards. Like in some ways the, the internet of that era was more sophisticated. Like you could, with Napster and other other um, uh, platforms, you could literally go into other people's hard drives that they shared with you, yes. right? Mm -hmm. um, and forge around and like and exchange all kinds of stuff, like your poetry or your writing. Or I mean, it wasn't all like let me just get the latest Metallica track. It was so much more 
uh, of a of a communal experience than that. So yeah, those are that's always been my interest is kind of the societal cultural impact of the rise of online community, and that's really what's led me to do all of these. So when when you look at the YouTube effect, I mean, the film is kind of about that starting to change, right? Um, Because I really started to notice something was changing in the video game industry. I I think it was like around 2014. I started, um, like, I I, I remember when this, um, we had a game called Street Fighter versus Tekken, and it came out, and people were just furious, absolutely furious furious that there was content on the disc that you had to pay to unlock, right? Mm. And I remember looking at that and going, wow, I'm seeing like death threats online. This really seems out of proportion to the issues at hand. And yeah, you you fast forward a few years and yeah, obviously Gamergate happened and some other things. Like when when do you think like this culture of the internet started to shift into really have some terrifying public policy implications. When did did you ever notice that, or is that how I did. you feel? I, I mean, yeah. I think you and I spoke about this one when we did the interview for mm-hmm. for this doc. But but for me, it was a couple of things. One is I started to see it even in the Usenet era that there would be people that would go into these into these channels and just and just set off a bomb, right? And a, a pure toxicity uh, and. People would scatter and sometimes they would go down. So I think that the way it felt to me was that as the Internet got bigger and more of these people were on these communities, there was more of that type of behavior. Um, But I also think that that, you know, I started exploring um, the kind of rise of cryptocurrency in 2011. Yeah. Um, And. It was very evident. I mean, that's the whole reason I made the Doc Deep Web. It was very evident that things were getting serious. Um, and even the rise of the dark net itself, even kind of what drove people into the anonymous internet, into this tiny little corner, you know, using Tor um, hidden services or, or you know, whatever, um, really spoke to the fact that even by then, people were looking for places to escape the public facing internet because it was so toxic and because they didn't feel safe there. And then obviously um, those dark net spaces got infiltrated by all kinds of horrible things as, as we well know. Um, so I think that, that the idea of community, and I saw this to some degree with Napster, like the tribalism of bringing vast amounts of people together around the world without any, any guardrails and with the with the ability to be anonymous, you know, and to focus on the the sort of you know what led to Gamergate, almost the, the kind of toxic male, you know, misguided, aggressive type of voice that you found online. Um, you know, the internet's an amazing was an amazing place for those people to feel empowered. So, and they could feel empowered on mass. And I think is what you and I discussed when we met was like to me, Gamergate was so viable to get into the YouTube doc because. I'd been seeing that kind of of tribal community. We saw it, you'd see it in the comments section of, of web browsers, even in the late 90s. Yep. They would get super toxic. And, uh, and, but Gamergate for me was when like political interests and other powerful interests realized they could weaponize these communities and, and organize them. Uh, and so really for me, Gamergate was the watershed because like it was sort of like, OK, well, now the Internet 
isn't as great as it used to be. And there's all kinds of terrible people here. And you have to kind of watch, you know, there's always a bad apple that ruins a room or a channel or a chat or, or a, a, you know, a, a comment board. But with Gamergate, it was like, it was kind of a, not a point of no return, but it was a, a raising of the stakes into the world we now have, hmm. where very powerful interests realize how, what a great tool the internet is to create, um, to, t- to harness disparate communities and then weaponize those communities. Yeah, and- it was it was so disturbing to me to, you know, this was literally the playbook that Trump used to, to get elected, Steve Bannon. And it, I just looked in horror for a lot of those early years as, you know, those figures, Milo, uh, you know, uh, uh, Saranovich, you know, yeah. uh, Steve Bannon over and over again, like the same people that had cheer-led all the things that happened to me during Gamergate are literally sitting in the White House like press room, right? That was horrifying. So in in my view, this was a moment that these tactics, it was like the internet has the capacity and YouTube has the capacity like to be a fantastic learning tool and a community building tool and an educational tool. But at the worst, this can like turn you into the worst version of yourself. And there, there are very cynical people out there that used that effect to turn many Americans into the worst version of themselves and to ride that to political power. And I think that's why your documentary is so important. Understanding that you know the, these algorithms, they do have the potential to push radicalization. It does have real effects for our democracy, and you know we've got to think far more critically about these issues from a public policy perspective. Yeah, for sure. I, I kind of on that note, I think that I think that's well said, Bree. Um, what what strikes me about this conversation, Alex, and what also struck me about the film a lot, uh, which which I I, I enjoyed, um, and and it you know fit along along with the other films that you've made. Um, about this culture that, uh, as, as you know, like I also am, feel very passionately about and kind of, a, you know, a, a native of, is that YouTube is used as a shorthand for like internet culture. Um, so the, a mm-hmm. lot of the events that were described, I, I think that you, that are, you know, described and that are in the documentary, I would argue were not necessarily led by YouTube and that YouTube wasn't necessarily the driving force in those things. But yet YouTube has become, I, I feel like to a certain um, degree, the shorthand for how we view internet culture, because it's almost like it is the lens of everything that's happening, um, no matter where it might be happening. It's almost like it's reflected back to us on YouTube. What do you think about that? It's interesting. I mean, we'd probably need more time to unpack it. I'm not sure I agree, not within the context of, of the doc anyway. Um, uh, I almost feel not the opposite, but I have a different perspective, which is that I think YouTube is actually ignored um, uh, as the as one of the the fulcrums, if not one of the primary fulcrums of harms. If we're going to look at at mm-hmm. harms, um, and I like YouTube and I use it all sure. the time, so um, uh, it's it's from my perspective one of the reasons I wanted to make the film was I had done a lot of research on the on the stats of um uh of what was going on out in the real world you know uh from i would even start i'd say the from the youtube perspective um the christchurch shooting right mm. of 2019 and we'd seen you know we have we have some in the film and we have all kinds of other media on this but we'd seen other acts of of violence that are directly were directly attributable to 
people on YouTube uh, that were being, um, you know, boosted by the algorithm and also just by, you know, the ad model of wanting to get more eyeballs on salacious content and, and the fact that that content travels faster and, and more expansively by, by nature and and always has. Um, And so the, the, the proliferation of that type of content and the growth of the kind of culture warrior influencer was 100% on YouTube. In fact, most of the videos that people were seeing on Facebook, um, I had this this conversation with the Cambridge Analytica journalists in London a couple weeks ago. Those were all YouTube videos. Yeah. And they had all originated on YouTube. So I would say from my perspective, it was kind of the inverse that all we were hearing about was Facebook and Twitter. Um, and the focus was on sort of what the public and the media viewed as social media. And mm-hmm. I think that for a number of reasons, YouTube was being ignored. And even after Christchurch was being ignored, when there were a lot of journalists who at that point were saying, guys, come on, we've, we've been telling you now for years that this is a problem. And now there's an irrefutable uh, shooter that's you know murdered 51 people because of your platform. And uh and I think still, even in the wake of that, even today, like I'll read big articles that, that ignore them completely. I think it's partly because of their size. It's it's so vast and it isn't a social media platform. It's primarily uh, a a media front end for Google that supplies news, entertainment, search, uh, you know, the repository for all of human history. And then this massive influencer component that's heavily monetized for ad revenue. Uh, none of those have anything to do with social media. So um, I, I think the, the thesis that, that got us going um, was if you have a single platform, you know, the second most viewed web, website in the world after Google being number one, both owned by Google with billions more views per day than any other platform on the Internet. Um, clearly, it has a, a significant, if not the significant role in uh, proliferation of disinformation and other harms. Mm-hmm. I am curious about like I know the social media landscape is constantly evolving. Did you feel pressure to keep up with that when you were making the film? And like I, I, every you know every other day, a, a YouTuber is having some sort of scandal, and that's really not what you're concerned with. You're concerned with these bigger questions of uh, of of misinformation and violence and things like that, but. As you are looking at the platform writ uh, writ large, uh, how do you parse out what is important to talk about versus what is kind of just noise kind of radiating off this uh, nuclear explosion of a social media platform? Yeah, well, the thing is, is, is the, you know, when you're making these docs, like the way I construct them, I'm always really interested in, in, in the, the bigger implication, and I don't tend to get distracted by what I consider to be kind of ancillary implications to the story mm-hmm. I want to tell, right? Cause you could, you could tell a story about, about underage influencers and the lack of regulation. You could tell, you right. could, there's a million YouTube stories, just giant. Um, yeah. But I don't get distracted by that. Um, and the other thing I'm, I don't get distracted by is kind of the shiny front end tech story, meaning, uh, you know, a lot of people were talking about TikTok that year. Um, TikTok, TikTok is interesting to me on, on a kind of a superficial level, but pretty uninteresting to me on, on the grand scale because it's a much smaller company with way less views that, that has, that offers significantly less services and as a result has less implications than YouTube and isn't harnessed to the largest tech company on the planet with mm-hmm. more data collection and drives than any company on the planet. 
So it didn't, it didn't really cross my radar. Those are other, they're kind of other stories for other people to tell. Um, but I was very concerned about, uh, you know, charting the growth of, of, of this company and how, and the relationship between its business model and the, um, the sort of the parasocial relationships that are formed by way of it being a visual medium with long form content, um, and algorithms. And, that was really what we, we set out to uncover by talking to very specific people. And, you know, who we chose were, was very specific based on wanting to sort of humanize those issues. And we learned a lot by doing it, which obviously shaped the, the structure of the narrative. Do you think, I mean, my biggest, so as someone who's primarily interested in policy, right? Like I started off in the game industry, just wanted to make video games. And then I realized like, oh, holy shit, this is a huge yawning like gap in public policy. We have elected officials that, you know, no offense, I think they're too old to truly care about these issues the way that they need to to, um, uh, to really be fretted over, to be frank with you. Do you, do you think that, uh, like, are you seeing this film create the kind of pressure that we need on Google and YouTube to make smarter decisions and to think more critically about this? Because I'm 100% convinced that the very little bit of improvement we've seen over at Facebook, which played a huge role in many of the events you talk about in your film, um, I think Google has over overwhelmingly just gone by unscathed on this. So yep. do you, are you finding policymakers are interested in what you're saying? Are you seeing, are you having people at these companies reaching out to you? Are you, are you finding the conversation is changing at all? We're doing really specific things with the movie, right? Sure. We were just, I was just up at the at Cambridge university a uh, week and a half ago at the disinformation summit. And we showed the film and had an extremely robust discussion about it with um, a lot of guests uh, from the summit that included everyone from people in, um, in government, uh, both in the U S and, and abroad and the EU, as well as people from um, Google, you know, DeepMind, meta, et cetera. Um, and we're, we have been, you know, we premiered uh, a year ago at Tribeca and in the intervening year, we've been traveling the world with the film, including, going into high schools and, and universities, uh, as well as getting, we're uh, now rolling out in embassies all over the world. We've, we've um, connected with State Department and, and are doing um, screenings all over, uh, not just here, uh, with that are rooted with discussions that bring in other experts. Um, and so we are, um, we're off and running. I'll be doing that at you know, Harvard and Berkeley and a bunch of places, again, with major people from those universities engaged in discussions around the issues. So it's really just getting started on a certain level. Um, I will tell you um, that uh, I have also at the same time, especially because of the, the labor issues that we're dealing with in Hollywood right now, yeah. I've been talking to a lot of people, um, uh, both in government and the sort of major think tanks around these issues uh, and, and the AI issues. Um, right. I was going to ask about that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've been dealing with that for like months, for like the last, I've been on, I've been pulling together seminars with everybody from, you know, I've been talking to, I don't want to name Congress people, sure. names, but you probably guess who they are and talking to their AI, you know, talking to their teams who are dealing with AI and other 
uh, policy issues. Uh, I've been talking to people in the EU, and then I've been talking to copyright and IP lawyers, and I've been talking to technology policy people, and I've been talking to like the major uh, players at the AI uh, foundations. That again, I don't want to rope people's names into this, but they're people that you all know, and you know would would assume that's who I was talking to, and. Um, my general feeling on this stuff, uh, which Bree, you are already very well aware of, is the the short answer. That was the very long way of getting around to saying no. Yeah. <laughs> the answer. The answer is no. The answer is that is that there is absolutely jack. I don't know if you can curse on this. No, you thing. can. Yeah, go there for is, it. Go for it. Curse. There's, there's jack. There's jack going on on the hill, and what is going on is largely misguided and could just make everything worse. Like a lot of what we've seen in the EU, like with the, the DSA and other, right. other regulations well, yeah, that I, is like, yeah. Yeah. I, so, I was going to, I was no. going to ask you, I was going to ask you, um, the film touches a little bit on section two thirty, and there are some, there are a lot of actually like pro, um, you know, two thirty reform voices in there, including you, Brie. Um, but I did, you know, but you mentioned some of the EU bills, which can make things worse. Um, I wanted to kind of get like, given your kind of vantage point as being somebody who has been early, um, you know, on these platforms and like, you know, instinctually like knows why and remembers when they were um, built. Like, do you, do you think that we need to reform that? I mean, I, I have my personal opinions, which the listeners of this podcast know, which is that Look, I think I, that thing that we get yeah, rid of two thirty, the internet goes away. So, but like, but, but what, what do you think there? I mean, putting aside the fact that the Congress is awful, what, what, what could sure. we do? Like, what, how, how do we go forward? I mean, to, for from my perspective, and again, I, I'm happy that there are people like Bree and Hani Farid and other people who I know who are very, very smart and are aggressively dealing with this stuff on the Hill. Um, and, you know, Hani's going to be doing, you know, this Berkeley panel with us um, later this month. And so I'm the guy in this conversation. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to color people's impression of my movie. So I hate to sort of talk about my opinion, sure. but I will <laughs> yeah. because you asked me. Yes. Um, but I'm the voice of, I'm always the voice of, I think we should be leaving 230 the hell alone until smarter people are, are in the, the mix. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think that, um, uh, that, you know, if we saw like I was, you know, we, we were around during what happened with Napster yep. and I saw it firsthand and people went down to, to you know, they went up to, to the Senate and they banged on tables and they demanded change. And what they got was, you know, the death of their of their ability to earn a living. Mm -hmm. um, and we are really on the cusp of doing that again. And um, it makes me very nervous. I think that that the metaphor that comes to mind when I have conversations, including with very well-meaning people in my industry, you know, they really want to attack this stuff with a big giant mallet. And it's like, you know, you say, well, if you're going in for brain surgery and your and your surgeon like showed up at the operating table with a mallet, you would be like, well, is that the right tool to like operate on my brain? He'd be like, it's, it's the only tool I've got, right? Um, <laughs> well, why don't you use a scalpel? It's like, well, I don't have one. Well, why don't you not do this operation until you have the right tool? And I think that is the same with with two thirty and and with a lot of these issues, including AI. Mm -hmm. I think I think that people want to, you know, like Bree just said that that. A lot of people in government now either don't understand the technology or just want to sort of posture for their constituents. Mm -hmm. So they'll just grab that big giant mallet and they'll start just bashing away at, at, the, at the Internet. Right. And it's going to make everyone that they want to protect unprotected. I mean, like, look, on, on the 230 side, you have no 230 
Like who's going to get hurt by that the fastest? The trans community, yep. people who are trying to get abortions, you know, uh, people in foreign countries who are under autocratic governments, like all the people that you think you're protecting by abolishing it, you're going to hurt them instantly. Yes. So, hmm. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think, yeah. you know, I think we've covered this over many years on this show. I mean, I think Christina and I have a difference of opinion. I think I believe, I, I agree with you, this Congress is incapable of doing this. I think we shouldn't be cynical about our ability to, you know, get the right people into power, get the right lobbyists, like get more of a structure together that would, you know, one of the really big ideas that I, I had when I ran for Congress was, look, engineers and people in tech are some of the wealthiest, like, professionals in America. Why don't we have our own pack? Why don't we have more of a say over the policy for the the things that we build, right? And I, I do think there's a path forward because, look, they're Republic. If I go talk to a Republican software engineer, I know I'm going to agree with them on privacy and 230 and cybersecurity more than I am with some person off the street that just doesn't understand this stuff. So I, I can see a future where there's a constituency to so come up I. with better public yeah. policy on this. Yep. I just I don't think completely. we can sit it out, right? Well, I don't think we can sit it out, but I don't think it's going to happen. And I, I know you feel the same way. It's not going to happen mm-hmm. overnight for the reasons yeah. that you've stated yourself. So I think right. that I mean, this is why we're taking this movie into schools. This is why we're going to universities. And one of the, the and again, not like we think we're some great harbinger of change, but like everyone's got to do what whatever everyone can do. And like, that's what we can do. So the, the, the very optimistic response to the movie that was unexpected for me, that gave me a lot of hope, even though I am generally hopeful. I just think this stuff's going to take longer than people want it to. But I do think Mm -hmm. long term, we are going to fix this stuff. Just like eventually we broke up U.S. Steel. Eventually we got seatbelts into cars. Like Mm -hmm. we will eventually figure this issue out. Um, But I was very heartened to see how much young people responded to this doc because I really thought they would hate it. Um, and when I made it, I genuinely thought, you know, this will be for like, you know, older folks, you know, from like post collegiate, uh, on up who want to wrap their heads around sort of the complexity of, of where we're at at this moment. But we've had like high school kids have just latched onto this thing like crazy. We've been playing, we have played in like hundreds and hundreds of high schools around the world, not just in the U S and I mean, those Q and A's could go on for nine hours. They never want them to stop. They're so smart. They're so engaged with the issues. They're very concerned about these platforms, even though they want to continue to use them, which is very much how I feel. Like, I yeah. don't want to de- get off platform. Mm-hmm. I don't want totally. my kids to get off platform. I just want them to be safer places to operate. And so I think there's a lot of hope for the fact that the, the culture that has come up online that understands that these are communities that are generally beneficial, which they are. Um, and, and don't have this kind of reefer madness attitude <laughs> that the internet is just terrible and should be turned off, um, which a surprising amount of people yes. <laughs> have that opinion. No, they do. It's, yeah. and, and, and it's growing. Position yeah. To, yeah, you can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, all right, okay. <laughs> but it's very pervasive, you know, and I mean, I would, you know, I went to like a dinner and I won't name names, but like with really heavy hitter journalists, like Pulitzer Prize winning journalists. And like all of them would just spent the whole dinner talking about how, how social media was like the scourge and it was the worst thing in the world. And like one of their daughters was there and I was looking at her across the table going, you're not going to speak up, are you? Like, you're not <laughs> going to tell them that that's a crock of shit. Like, 
you know, you're going to let, you're going to let your dad and like all these old farts just, you know, wang on about, about how this stuff is just evil and, and how much better yeah. everything was before. But um, I, but I do have to say, I really, cause I think, you know, Alex, you and I grew up through the same era of the internet, right? I remember like the, the hacker culture of the eighties and the nineties. I remember seeing, uh, what's the Matthew Broderick film war games, right? Yeah. And going, holy I want to learn how to do all of that. And I did right. like, I went out and got a, a, a modem and started learning to do haze commands and started trying yeah. to hack into BBSs the exact same way. So I, I truly understand like the sentiment that, you know, the internet is important culturally. It's huge. Like this is, I, I, I love the internet. I don't want to turn it off. I also think that there has been this attitude on the internet for my entire life that, oh, you know, the government is too stupid to figure any of this out. We're awesome. Free software forever. Laissez-faire. No regulation on everything. And look sure, at where it's yeah. gotten us. Facebook it got us and Google. Free. We've got That's these monopolies it, 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 it got us Bitcoin all the things. Right. Yeah, blockchains. Yes. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Scammers. <laughs> That's where that led. That is where so, that led. I'm just saying, you know, I know no one wants to hear that, like, middle ground. I know compromise makes everyone mad. But there, yeah. there's got to be something here other than this libertarian. Uh, but there, I think goes. there is. Yeah. I think there is a huge groundswell of of interest in uh, in progress. And I think that, like, the, I think 230 is a great lightning rod issue because for me, and maybe I'm being, maybe this is where I am a little cynical. For me, like, the staunch breakup 230 people are, are like the red flag people. Yes, 100%. And, um, and, like, that's the divide. Like, okay, do you understand that the internet needs to be protected or you just want to take a mallet to it? And I'm grateful to discover how many more people there are on the other side of the divide. And, uh, and I also feel like that's not just, you know, the, I was talking about the youth and the youth is great. It's somewhat obvious, right. Cause they came up in the tech right. world, but you know, but to your point, there's a lot of people, you know, I, I don't necessarily even know how much age is the factor in terms of the Hill. Um, as much as the, the lobbying power, you know, is so pervasive and the, um, the ability to, uh, the, the risk that it's going to take for for anyone in government to stand up against hugely powerful interests um, in order to to create these reforms, I just think some of that is going to take time and but in finding the right people who are willing to to fight that fight. And I think some of them are there. Like if you talk to a lot of these Congress people, sort of again the usual suspects, the ones that you would suspect are are who's dealing with this. You know, their staff are really smart and. Yeah. And they're willing to talk to everyone. Like, and to be fair, like every time I've called one of these these congressional staffers at any point to say, "Can you jump back on the phone?" I think I have something else. They're like, "Absolutely, let's set a Zoom. We'll do it tomorrow." And you know, no stonewalling, no runaround. Uh, they're talking to other people. To your point about PACs, there, you know, there are other people out there forming congressional committees right now in all these different areas. So I think, I think. Um, it's beginning to to mount kind of more of a movement here that will end up educating people better as to as to what type of policy needs to get created. I still don't think it's going to happen quickly. Yes. I still think mm. that we're up against a, <laughs> a behemoth. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've talked a lot about the the university tour that you're doing. Is that something that people who are listening to this could possibly like attend events? And if so, where could they learn about that? 
Um, it's a really good question because we did the one at Cambridge early um, and we're literally booking the others now. So, All I right. mean, we have a website, um, you know, yteffect.com or my site, alexwinder.com, which will take you there. Um, and I also post, you know, annoyingly <laughs> constantly about this movie and I will continue to do that until I'm thrown off the internet. I've turned into like, like the poster that I always hated. I literally just cross post the same every platform now like my like my grandmother we have to because, <laughs> because twitter was ruined for us so now we have like sixty thousand yeah. other places we have to put you know similarly or identical things yeah it's awful what have we become uh. so um i will i'm we're organizing i literally just got off the road like this weekend so we're organizing it now we're setting dates with everybody um they will be really cool and robust uh, summits and we're not just doing the ones where I can show up in person. We're going to actually do them. There's other universities that are asking us to come where I can't get to that. We're just going to do Q and A's on zoom. So we'll probably cool. end up doing a lot of these. And nice. um, I will absolutely be posting those as we get them organized and they'll, they'll be organized over the next week or week or so. That's amazing. Okay. So people can find that info at yteffect.com or alexwinter.com when it comes. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. And where can they follow you online if they want to see your cross posting? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I guess I'm everywhere now. Like I do have someone in my, in my, I do have an amazing right arm who helps me with this stuff. But um, I mean, I'm very tech, tech averse. I mean, tech aware, obviously, but I just don't have time to do all of it. But yeah. uh, I'm on pretty much all of them. I'm on Mastodon. I'm on, you know, uh, threads or whatever that thing is called. Yeah. I'm on whatever has become <laughs> of Elon Musk's thing this week. Oh God. Um, <sighs> it was such a nightmare. I was off that thing for ages. And then, and then you have to, you, had to you, go have, back you have to go back. You got to promote the film and I have to go back to, to yeah. promote the doc. Which yes. is why I'm there. I mean, I literally just hold my nose and just post stuff on the dock and then run away. But, <laughs> um, I love the power move of calling it that thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 look, look, he, he took uh, our home and he like, he burned it to the ground. We, it, yeah. He, you know? yeah, I was pretty upset. And he fired a lot of friends of mine. Same. Who were doing a really yeah. good job. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty pissed. Um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah, Christina, I'm sure there are a lot of people, same people that we know. Yep. But so it's, yeah, it's, I'm kind of everywhere and I'm really easy to find. Um, and uh, why, you know, YouTube Effect has, has accounts on most of those platforms as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to add before we sign off for the day? Um, no, other than, you know, it's, I do, it's great. Uh, thank you for asking me to come on. And I do think it's, you know, I, I've known a couple of you now I've met you, Simone, mm -hmm. but I've known, you know, I've known Brian, I've known Brian for a little while. So we known, you know, I've been following, um, Brianna for years and, um, and same with Christina. And it's, it's, you know, I do find it heartening the people like you all that have been sort of entrenched in this community that are still very clear eyed about it. And, um, mm. There's not that many, sadly. Um, and there's a lot of folks who just sort of like went for the, I'm getting the front row VIP pass to the next iPhone release. Right. right? Um, and they, so they won't criticize or they won't really talk deeply about any of this stuff. And uh, so it's heartening for me, too, that, you know, that there is a big kind of the, who is left in this robust community who's been around for a bit, who actually knows what's going on. Because I think we're going to need all those voices. 
I mean, just one more thing on this. You know, um, it came out today, like, uh, as we were recording this, uh, you know, uh, Diane Feinstein uh, fell. She's in the hospital. I, I do think there are a lot of conversations about out there right now about generational change in leadership. Uh, one of the uh, Parkland survivors, um, uh, not Park, was it Parkland? David Hogg. Yeah, I get all these school shootings mixed together. Uh, you know, he announced a, a pact today to uh, yeah. focus on getting younger candidates out there and getting them the uh, the resources that they need. I, I really do. I, I was talking to a member of Congress who I suspect may be the same member of Congress you've been talking to. We'll, we'll compare notes after the show. And we were really saying that we think 2028 is going to be the transformative year for the Democratic Party, yep. just in the sense that right. um, a lot of, you know, like Biden is going to be gone and we're going to have yeah. a new standard bearer. Right. And there's going to be a lot of change in Congress as far as who is still there. So I, I, I know Christina, you're more cynical than I am, but I I mean, but I think it's important. I'm I'm, I'm cynical because, you know, I, I, I'm a realist in my opinion, but, but no, I think this is important. And and if things are going to change, this is a really good moment for it to happen. And we have opportunities with hopefully, you know, people who should not be, um, frankly in office, you know, leading and, and Mm -hmm. trying to push, push that forward so that we maybe can get these policy initiatives off the ground that couldn't solve these larger issues. A hundred percent. Yeah. I really do see an opening on that. So, um, yeah, I do too. I just think that the only, the only reason I, it's not like I'm pushing back on it. The only thing that I sort of caveated that with was that I do, there are people there, you know, of a certain vintage who are really smart and I don't, we don't want to lose their voice. Um, that being said, there are many people there who, uh, are beyond uh, any vintage, <laughs> and, and <laughs> we, do, <laughs> we do need to uh, we do need to make room for people who are, who understand these issues better and are younger. And, and I mean, and across the board, I mean, there's been a lot of articles written about how you know that generation will not relinquish power. Yes, and we're seeing it in my industry all over yes. the place. And they're like, please just call it a day. Go <laughs> totally. Go do something. But, <laughs> like yeah. you're done. Yeah. Go yeah. home. Boomers will not leave. Haven't you wreaked enough havoc? Exactly. Already? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, if you care to watch the YouTube Effect listener, you can go to YTEffect.com. They got a handy little page there that says watch. You can find out where it is viewable. It's on Apple TV. All of our viewers have Apple yeah, stuff. Yeah, they do. So I was just going to watch it on Apple I was TV. Say, that's there are many other it. places, though. There are many it's, other it's, places. It's on everything. You can watch it on YouTube. It's on Prime, <gasps> isn't it? It's on yeah. YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the show. We appreciate the great conversation and good luck with your tour. Thank you so much. All right. It is time for dessert. We are going to discuss the most pressing story of our time. Uh, It's about women's empowerment. (laughs) It's about uh, art. It's about uh, international uh, peace. It's about Stop the War. It is Kyle Gordon's Planet of the Base and the case of the uh, disappearing Miss Biljana Electronica. So I I know if you're on the internet, you've probably heard this song, Planet of the Base by comedian Kyle Gordon. Uh, It is a Euro, uh, a parody of a Euro pop dance song, uh, which is excellent. It came out a bit ago. There's a full album on the way and everyone was like, wow, what a great song. Hear the bass go zoom. Women are my favorite guy. I love this. Um, and then comedian Kyle Gordon continued to release versions of it. New, new videos, new videos. His character, uh, the, the DJ, 
crazy DJ Crazy Times, consistent in all of them. The woman accompanist, different. The original Miss Biljana Electronica, vanished, not vanished from the face of the internet, but vanished from these videos. And gosh, it has been causing controversy. Brianna, I know that this story is near and dear to your heart. <laughs> what, where do you fall on the uh, the Miss Biljana Electronica uh, spectrum? I feel like I need to do a fact check just before we start this. This song is mid by dance music standards. I feel like I just got to put that out there. Um, It is like Christina can back me up here. Uh, Even back in the day, Snap, uh, Two Unlimited, uh, Black Box, all these groups were bad. And we knew they were bad. Uh, So he's kind of emulating the badness. Maybe it has some charm if he didn't live through those years. But this is like this is. It's just not a great song. I mean, Christina, do you agree with me? No, yes. well, I How was going to say, it's, it's, it's mid, but I do agree. As parody, I actually think it's perfect because I guess I viewed yeah. it through the lens of, oh, if you know what this is parodying, this is perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Am I excited for the full album? No, because every single day for the last two weeks, I've freaking woken up with this song stuck <laughs> in my head. I'm tired, y'all. I'm tired. It's funny and I like it, but I'm tired. Okay. It is but- so quotable. I've used Ugh. this so much in my life. There is reason to be sad. There is no reason to be sad. That is like 99% of my conversations right now. <laughs> It's created some useful shorthands. Um, yes. But okay, so everyone loves the original Miss Biljana Electronica. Yes. She is not the woman who does the vocals, but the the woman who portrays her, Audrey Trulinger. Uh, she's a TikToker, and she, I, a lot of people felt she, with her, you know, crisped blonde hair, slightly crimped sunglasses, uh, and facial expressions captured the optimism of a 90s post-Berlin uh, Wall fall Europe uh, sort of <laughs> d- dance mistress. And the two women who have subsequently portrayed Miss Biljana Electronica um, are different. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, so again, fact check. Most of the women from these videos in the 90s were black, like the, the main singers, Ooh. right? So, well, except, except they were usually portrayed by white, white women. It was actually right. black women, but they were portrayed by um, well, white women. I'm just saying, in the videos. Music Factory, Black Box, Strike It Up, you know, all of this. Like, you know, it, it was. They, I, I understand what you're saying. Like she's capturing this, like certainly like uh, uh, Darling Nikki from Lords of Acid. You know, she was like white, but I, I, I'm just saying like there was a wide range of how these people were originally portrayed way back in the day. And how do you personally feel about the uh, the replacement? I, I'm 100 team Audrey. She is amazing. It's not just her look. It's not just her look. She is a star top to bottom. She brings the energy. And what is amazing, she can go through and freeze frame every one of her facial expressions, and she brings it. She has true star power. Um, You know, it's weird because I look at Audrey Trillinger's, uh, like I went through her Instagram and her YouTube channel, and I say it's just not stuff I'm interested in. It's like, hey, you know, wow, I get my first apartment in New York. Wow, like, hey, I'm going out with the gals on the town. You know, (laughs) like, it's if I was 20, I'm sure I would find that, like, fascinating. It's, but, like, as far as her 
for being a star. Like, this is her destiny. This is what she was meant to do. Because she's out there just bringing 100% of it. Like, she looks and she's like cry motion and then there's reason to be glad. Like, she's bringing (laughs) it. Like, her face, when you're looking down at her, like, from the the top level, and she's so, like, this face. Like, everybody (laughs) freeze frames that for, for a reason. She has, like... She is the star of this. I know DJ, like, uh, Crazy Times believes he's the star. He's not. He is replaceable. He is the fungible one. Audrey Trulinger is truly the star in my I view. think that is one thing that has become more and more clear to me the more of these videos I watch. Like, he he says, I think in the the, the Vulture piece quotes him as saying, like, it is poking fun at the the way that you know, women, the, the background dancer, like vocalist replaced all the time. Videos were, yes. Yeah. Replaced all the right. time and kind of interchangeable. Um, but I, I, after watching all of them, I really feel so strongly that she really is a magic ingredient of that first video. Yes. Yes. Is it maybe because I've seen like three of the same, like exact one minute videos now? Maybe, but she, there is something special that she's doing. Um, and, it is it is making me and I, I wish that this weren't the case because I think the gag is funny. It's making me more like tired of DJ Crazy Times as a concept. Yes, a hundred percent. Because the original one was so perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. She's bringing she 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 just brings such a joy to it that is so much more interesting than like Instagram pout which is what the second girl did. And it's like, look, this is the whole reason I barely use Instagram because there are a million clones of you out there like looking bored and dissatisfied and it's just not interesting to me. Like Audrey just, she's got this... I, I, she brings me into the song and I want more of that. And mm-hmm. I know that like he's saying, it's like, oh, this is a joke. This is a parody. But the reality is like, look, I lived through dance music in the nineties. <laughs> All of those dudes thought they were the <laughs> star too. Right. And they just totally like, got rid. And, and then they went on and had, you know, longer careers than the women did. And, uh, it's it's not really a funny joke. You're falling into the same mistake those dudes did where you think you're the most important <laughs> ingredient and you're not. He didn't even write the damn song. I mean, I think that's part of the whole parody thing, though, right? Like, that's, that's right. I mean, I mean, it, it, which I think is kind of brilliant. I do love the whole, um, just the commitment to the bit of this, I will say. I do love the commitment to the bit on, on this. And I do love the fact that, like, many parts of the internet do not understand what it's kind of a, a a joke on. But I also agree with you. Like Audrey is is the only Miss Um uh, Biljana Electronica that I will I will recognize. She's she's the only one. I have several thoughts. My my initial thought is I wonder if the original parody would have been as popular had he debuted one of the other videos no. first. Mm. No. I don't think so. No. no. Yeah. And my second thought is okay, I I I think if and hopefully when he comes around and debuts a whole fourth woman, mm-hmm. I'm going to think it's really funny again. Oh, I'm going to come back full circle. I and think so. a fifth woman, a fifth woman 
would be yeah. hysterical. I, th- I think the more of them he does, the less people will be mad. Because right when it was the right. first one, people everyone was curious. like, I don't get it. I don't know what's happening. This isn't my Biljana Electronica. She's mm-hmm. gone. What have you done with her? And with the third one, it was kind of like, oh, uh, I okay, I see what you're doing. Now I'm kind of tired. If he keeps like br- the more women he can get to do this, the funnier I think it will be. <laughs> That's yes. my know. feeling. I agree with you. Engagement is going down on every single one of these videos. But that's because we're in the bell curve, baby. Yep. We're in the bottom of it. We're going to come back out the so. other side. I think if he could go and truly, the, the problem with the joke is he's bringing in some women with some very mid levels of talent. And again, I stress Instagram pout is not enough to carry a dance music video. I'm sorry, like the throwing glitter bit, maybe a little bit, like that kind of works, but you got to bring some energy to it, right? Like the thing you're parroting, like you're trying to capture 90s black woman energy, right? Like that's, that's, it's a lot. So you can't just like, I'm so dissatisfied. It, It just doesn't work. So if he goes out there and he can find like women that can actually like there, there have to be other Audrey Trillingers out there, right? Like find some other people that can really bring some talent. Then that might be interesting. But as it is, he's just producing extremely mid uh, music videos. Also, I have to say, the first one had by far the most uh, sophisticated uh, shot matching and cinematography and interesting it did. set. Yeah, it, it was really better. did. Well, I mean, obviously, you're going to put more effort, I think, into the first one than the subsequent ones. Uh, because, I, but I also agree with you, Simone. Like, it becomes funnier the more times you do it. So I hope he does it more. Do do either of you remember um, when? Um, uh, KFC replaced Colonel Sanders and then they kept replacing yes. him all the time. No. Okay. So they, they replaced Colonel Sanders and first, like, uh, I don't remember who they, they hired. Um, it was Daryl Hammond. And then they replaced him with like Norm Macdonald and then they replaced him with someone else. And like, they went down the list and it was the same sort of thing where everybody was upset, but then it just kind of became like a known thing that they just are constantly bringing in new Colonel Sanders. And honestly, I, I found delightful and hilarious. And so this this reminds me of that, and um, I have listened to a like hour plus long loop of one of the uh, <gasps> Daryl Hammond uh, KFC commercials where he was singing something. Um, that that someone is loops. dedication. To well, the I, bit. Mean, I didn't listen to it. I found it, and then like I probably did listen to it a lot at at yeah. work. But you know, I worked at web companies, so we would do Excellent. that sort of nonsense. So that's good stuff. Yeah, I think because he can't undo what he did, he can't go back and do it less. Right. All he can do, much like a canceled YouTube star, is double down and do it more. Yes. <laughs> and to be clear, no one's being canceled here. It's a funny bit for now. For now. Um, uh, but someone was canceled, actually. Oh, uh, no. Maura Olney, the, the woman in the second video. Oh, right. Oh, oh, yeah. Are you That's kidding right. me? A truly... I, I almost feel bad because she released an Instagram, I think it was a story, a uh, clip of what the everyone hating her <laughs> was doing to her psychologically. And it basically breaks down to, uh, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Don't put it in the newspaper. I feel, I feel really bad for them because it's like not yeah. their fault. And no, like if somebody asked me to perform in a like silly one minute TikTok video, I'd be exactly. like, yeah, sure. And they probably did not realize like what a uh, what an S show the internet would make it. Totally. Well, no one was what expecting it? this. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, because uh. nobody would wouldn't would know this. I mean, and who knows when they filmed it? Like, if you're not aware of the context, which I'm sure mo- most of these people were not, 
mm-hmm. you do it. And then, yeah, it go, it becomes this, this massive thing. And you're like, bro, I didn't know. I just, I got an audition. I got paid a little bit of money. I'm trying to make a living in LA right now because I can't do any real work because the writers and the actors are on strike. Like, don't, don't cancel me. Yeah. Like people should I, leave I'm these in women this. alone. I agree. I mean, okay. I, I think, you know, Christina, usually you're the mean girl on the show. I'm going to have to be the mean girl this week, unfortunately. If you look at her Instagram, it is porny yoga poses. And I support like, that. I do too. I mean, that, that that's, that's Instagram and, and TikTok. That's what like it is. Alcohol brings no value to your life. And it's just like she's not she's not an interesting person, right? Like like just being. I mean, that's not really why I don't hold anyone to that burden. (laughs) I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you're you're hiring somebody to like dance in a video. Like I don't really care about like their personal stuff. But the star power, the personality comes through. Audrey has a personality. It sounds from your examination of Audrey's Instagram that you're also not a huge fan of what she She, as a person is bringing to the table. Content is not what I'm interested in, but Mm -hmm. there's a person behind it that is clearly funny and clever. And look, there's some that like, Christina, you've got this quality. I really envy this quality that you can go onto a stage and you're just captivating, right? This is why you're the face of Microsoft and GitHub. You just, you have that X quality. There are a lot of women in tech. There are very few of us you could put on that stage to just dominate in that way. Like, own it. That's a skill you've got. This is a skill Audrey has. And I think it's it's not, like, not everybody is special. I'm sorry. And <laughs> the other two women just are not. I've got a huge update. Um, Audrey Trulinger is an F1 fan. She was oh at the God. Miami Grand Prix, according to her Instagram, which I'm now looking at. Okay, so um, we need to get her on the pod to talk about cars. Yes. Get her on the pod. Um Yes. I mean, I, 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 I disagree with your assessment of the other women's Instagrams. I think that they are all people have value and interest inside them. I do agree them. with you on the star However, power thing. But, I do but, agree, yeah, yeah. that they uh, can, are not as good in the video. <laughs> you can look like I'm better at different things than Christina is, right? Like sure. there's things I do in my career. Christina, you would just not be a good fit for. Absolutely. Like all of us have strengths. It's how your strengths apply to any individual project, right? And just Audrey is by far the best one here. So I I just, I, I, I think she's so much better than everyone else that's trying to do this that they shouldn't be surprised if they're getting backlash online. I mean, they cast like the, I, I know it's silly, but like uh, when they came out with the new Captain America, right? This was a really high risk, um, um, you know, play for someone to step in and replace Chris Evans, right? And he brought it, and they did a Disney limited series to develop his character. And now, you know, when a new Captain America movie is going to come out, I'm like, hell yeah, that's my Captain America. I know where he's coming from. I understand he's a star. He stepped into that role. She did this, but she just completely failed at it. So there's going to be some backlash. I, I I will say if the backlash comes to Kyle Gordon, who presumably like cast and orchestrated the whole bit. Sure. Okay. I, I do think I don't give a crap if somebody is doing sexy yoga poses on Instagram. And I also think that there's no 
way that somebody could foresee getting backlash Absolutely. for appearing in a, sure. a like as a silly dancing person in a Eurodance parody. I, I want to be. I mean, uh, if I can just be super clear. Yeah. Look, I'm sex positive. I have no issue with somebody doing like sexy poses on Instagram. Right. More power to her. What I'm saying is, if you look at Audrey's Trulinger's YouTube channel. Yeah, she's sexy, she's hot, but that's not the focus. It's her, the personality, right? That is what comes through in everything. And I think with Mara, it's more like, this is what I have to offer my sexiness, right? That's fine in some context. I'm not judging you for that. I'm saying that's not enough to carry this project. All right. Let's talk briefly about what we're up to this week. Christina, what are you up to? Yeah, so um, I, okay, so first of all, I'm back from the Boy Genius concert, which was amazing. And uh, I, I saw that you were at Carly Rae Jepsen um, the other night, Simone, and I was very jealous. So we've had a good summer of concerts. Um, I'm going to, I'm just hanging out with some friends. Um, uh, some, a friend is in town who I haven't seen in a long time. And that's basically it. I'm trying to figure out, like, I think I'm going to go to Atlanta like week after next. I don't know. The The month of August is already slipping away. And uh so that's As Taylor that, so wisely said. Precisely. Thank you for getting my reference there. So uh slipping away like a bottle of wine. Um, but uh yeah, I'm I'm just chilling. That's it. Brianna, what about you? So y'all know the project I'm working on. It is is the thing that's gonna define my career, right? It is a really big, ambitious project. Um, I can't talk about it yet, but um it's already like one of these work every second I'm awake kind of things and then not being able to sleep <laughs> because I'm so stressed about everything I can get done. Yeah. So I am literally killing myself over secret project and that's what I'm doing. Ooh. I'm having a much more relaxing time. I'm recovering from Polygonathon. Thank you so much, Ooh. everyone who uh, tuned Woo-hoo. in and turned out. You were so uh, fun. It was so A special so shout cute. out to Henry Casey, uh, yes. rocket listener and friend, like actual real life friend, uh, <laughs> my first billing friend, second billing rocket listener, uh, who uh, created chaos with Christina in chat. It was very <laughs> fun. Um, and other than that, I'm just chilling. My brother's coming into town this weekend, so I'll be taking him around uh, to see some exciting New York things with his fiance. Ooh, fiance, his new fiance i'm so excited i'm happy for them good for that'll be really fun i love showing um people outsiders i love showing them new york because then you get to actually be a tourist for a little bit that's the most fun yes thing. oh it's providing me such a good excuse to do touristy things so i'm psyched um thank you everyone for listening to this episode of rocket i hope you liked it please leave a review on apple podcasts or spotify if you did so if you did not Bye-bye. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. (laughs) I plan to release an identical episode uh, with completely different co-hosts next week. Um, (laughs) It's the same words. We're just going to dub it over. It's going to be a great video. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We should bring in Maura Olney to, like, replace Christina next week. Yeah, we'll print out the transcript and have somebody else read it. Yeah, If you are a boostie who supports the show, uh, directly uh on you are going to get a bonus segment you're going to get a bonus segment about the new york times protest against the the gag order on sbf and the ftx case that's happening right now it's going to be a good old-fashioned traditional 
rocket topic, talking about journalism, talking about scams, talking about the tech world, uh, and it's going to be spicy. So thank you so much to all our boosties. If you want to learn more about how you can access bonus topics like that, go to relay.fm slash membership and learn how you can support the show directly today. Get an ad-free version and a bonus segment every week. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.